The reading, the reading is Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 43 to 45, and it's on page 1034 in the Bibles in the pews. Luke, chapter 6, beginning at verse 43, and this is Jesus speaking. No good tree bears bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Thanks very much, uh, Angela. Uh, so uh, Gideon is going to come and uh, read and explain God's word to us. Just before he does, let's uh, pray for him and for us as we hear it. Father God, thank you um, that those words we heard were the words of God that um, they are words from the mouth of the Lord Jesus and as much your word as the voice at Sinai or the voice who called creation into being. We pray, Lord God, that you will help us to hear your voice. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And please make Gideon speak as one speaking the very word of God this morning. Might you bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, uh, Angela, for reading, and Rich for praying. So, um, over the past, well, few weeks, a couple of months, possibly, we've been thinking about fruit of the Spirit. Um, it comes from the verse in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So over the past few weeks, uh, we've been going through each kind of quality listed in Galatians 5, uh, 22. Last week, we looked at kindness, and this week, we're looking at goodness. Uh, and to do that, I'm going to refer to various kind of verses in the Bible. So don't feel any pressure to o- open every verse that I refer to. Uh, rather, just feel free to listen if that's helpful for you. Uh, Rich's already prayed, so let me dive in. Uh, uh, Billy Graham tells a story of a man looking for his wallet uh, on the street. And as he's looking for his wallet, someone walks up to him and asks him what he's looking for. And he replies, well, I've lost my wallet. And so the, the other person says, where did you lose it? Where have you lost your wallet? To which the man replies, uh, about half a block up the street. To which the person says, so why are you looking for it here then? To which the man replies, there's no street light where I lost it. Well, it's, a, it's a silly anecdote, silly story perhaps, of a man who ignored the blinding obvious. He was looking for his wallet in the wrong place. Uh, today we're thinking about goodness 
as a fruit of the Spirit. And I wonder if our temptation is to, to often look in the wrong place. In other words, the goodness that God demands is primarily found in our ability to obey rules. We often use the word good in a variety of ways, don't we? Uh, depending on the context, we can describe something as being good according to a particular standard. Well, that's a good cup of tea. Uh, that was a really good meal. That was a good film that I watched. And we can also describe people as good based on their personality or behavior. Uh, she's a good person. Uh, he's a good boy. Uh, they're a good bunch of people over there. Uh, we use the word good in a variety of ways. However, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, when it comes to goodness, the Bible's definition of goodness is not primarily of an outward behavior, but of an inward disposition. In fact, it's what's on the inside that produces our, our behavior and speech. When the Bible defines goodness, it begins with the heart, the human heart. Jesus says, if you want to know why you often produce evil and good, then start by looking inside the heart. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, as it was read to us, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. That goodness is a fruit that begins in our hearts. And Jesus wants us to look in the right place. But first and foremost, goodness is a fruit that begins with God. I think that's important to see. That goodness is a fruit that begins with God. So our first point for us this morning, see the goodness of God. See the goodness of God. God is good. Uh, in a church I grew up in, uh, the, the church leader would often say, God is good, and the congregation would reply all the time, and then he would say, and, and all the time, and you would reply, God is good. I reckon we could try that this morning. What do you reckon? Yeah? God is good. All the, and all the time. God is good. You're in fine voice this morning. Fantastic. Uh, the Bible tells us that God is good. Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, what does it mean for God to be good? Well, according to the Bible, uh, God's goodness basically means uh, all the virtues, all the perfections that we can ever think of in this life. Uh, they all perfectly reside in God. So, love. Well, God is love. Justice, God is perfectly just. Mercy, God is full of compassion and mercy. Generosity, God is gracious in the salvation he brings us in the Lord Jesus. It's a free gift. Faithfulness, well, God's love is steadfast. It never wavers. He's ever faithful to his people. God is good. God's goodness isn't just kept in himself. No, he he extends it to his creation. In Genesis chapter 1, as God creates the world, there's a, a repeated phrase, isn't there? He does something, and then it says, God saw that it was good. 
Again, he does something, he creates something, and it says, God saw that it was good. It's a phrase that's repeated seven times in the first chapter of Genesis. Right from the start of the creation of our world, God's goodness is on display. Uh, We see this beauty in creation, don't we? The sun, the moon, the starry sky, the mountains, the deep blue ocean, all are his handiwork, an expression of God's goodness. God's goodness is displayed in his creation of the world. God's goodness is displayed in how he relates to his people, the peak of his creation. Uh, Herman Bavink, a 20th century Dutch theologian, notes that God's goodness is much more glorious when it is shown to those who only deserve evil. God's goodness is much more glorious when it is shown to those who only deserve evil. Uh, The story goes of a mother who once approached Napoleon, seeking pardon for her son, uh, to which the emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offence twice, and justice demanded death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon replied. Sir, the woman cried, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Well then, the emperor said, I will have mercy. I will have mercy. God's goodness is displayed in that he shows mercy to those who don't deserve it. Uh, Lamentations, a book in the Old Testament says this, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Uh, Unlike the emperor or human beings uh, who are often frail in the mercy we show to each other, God is never in two minds when we cry out to him for mercy. The quality of God's mercy is never strained. It's always perfectly available to those who call on him. God is good in that he's merciful. He saves those, all those who call on him. God is good, and so we can trust in him. Everything God does is good. Everything God does is good because he's good all the time. And that means he will do right by us. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 tells us, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. That means if God blesses us with something, it's because it's for our good. I suppose that also means that if God withholds something from us, that means it's also for our good. Uh, It works both ways. Suppose, here's a question we might ask of ourselves. Uh, What has God withheld from me that I struggle to comprehend as to why he's done so? Uh, What has God withheld from me that I struggle with? Isn't it a wonderful encouragement from Romans 28? That we can trust in a God who's always at work for our good. The things he gives us and the things he withholds from us. It's always for our good. 
It might not be the right season for us. The things we ask for, it may never be right for us. But one thing is certain. God is always at work for our good. God is good, and everything God does is good. And finally, only God is good. Only God is good. There's no one like him. In Mark chapter 10, uh, a rich man wanders up to Jesus and wants to know what he must do to inherit eternal life. And so he, he asks Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus replies, no one is good except God alone. Of course, it's a a rhetorical question from Jesus. Uh, Jesus is God, and therefore the man was correct in calling Jesus good. But I think the rich man missed this point, that only God is good. Ultimately, because, well, he, he thought that his good life made him a good person. He was looking in the wrong place for goodness. It's important that we too don't miss this. Only God is good. Uh, Romans chapter 3 verse 23 tells us that no one is good because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our sin means that no one, none of us can ever claim the title of being good in the biblical sense. It kind of feels harsh to say that, doesn't it? How dare you say that? I can't call myself a good person, according to the Bible. Someone might reply, I don't have an evil bone in my body. I don't wish harm on anyone. In fact, I, I go out of my way to help others. How dare you say only God is good? Well, in the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 17, verse 9, it says this about the heart. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You see what it's saying? It's saying we can't even trust our own hearts, our own assessment of ourselves. Because our hearts will often deceive us to our own goodness. Only God is good. And it's of great benefit to know this. Why? Or because it strengthens our trust in him, especially in the tough times of life. You see, in the tough time of our lives, God is the only one who will never let us down. I suppose the take-home point is this. See that God is really good and place your trust in him. He will never let you down in the ups and downs of life. He will never let you down. He's always at work for our good. It's helpful to be reminded of the goodness of God because it strengthens our trust in him. Secondly, it helps us to see that growth in goodness is God's desire for us. That's our second point this morning. God's purpose for us is to grow in goodness. That's why goodness is a fruit of the spirit. That's particularly why Jesus often uses the language of a tree and its fruit. God created us to be fruitful. I'm slowly getting into gardening, and at some point I'd like to have a veg patch if I get round to actually making the patch. Um, now, part of the reason is to, to have an activity to do with the children, but the main reason is because we want to grow fruit and veg. Uh, we want a crop 
We want tomatoes, or cucumbers, potatoes, that kind of stuff. We want to bear fruit and veg. Well, God has created us. He's, he's planted us in this world so that we can bear fruit. It's a purpose that, that runs right back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis. Right back in Genesis, after uh, creating uh, mankind in his own image, God says, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, not just talking of a, a biological fruitfulness, but a spiritual fruitfulness that ultimately comes from God himself. Even before we desire to grow in goodness, it's God's desire for us. Since the beginning of time, God has purposed it for us to grow in goodness. Which means goodness is, isn't something we have to figure out for ourselves. Oh, what do I mean by that? Well, if I may, um, I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I think it's on page 1174. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, listen to what it says, what the Apostle Paul says. Uh, left-hand column. It says, For we are God's handiwork, uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has prepared good works in advance for us to do, ever before we thought of it. That good thing you did last week, that good word of encouragement you said to your spouse or a family member or colleague, I'm afraid we can't take credit for it. In one sense, we should be pleased that God's spirit is at work in our lives. That's a fantastic testimony to have. But ultimately, it is God who has prepared every single work we do in advance because it's his purpose for us. We are his handiwork. When God sows his spirit into our lives, the fruit of the spirit will flourish. Goodness will, will come to bear naturally. I'm not saying that we don't need to pray or read our Bibles or ask for God's help. No, we need to do those things. No, just saying that our growth in goodness isn't ultimately dependent on our own resources. Just like a seed... Uh, sown doesn't have to decide what it's going to grow into. It kind of just grows, doesn't it? As long as the conditions are right. You know, enough nutritious soil and sunlight, that kind of stuff. It naturally fulfills its purpose. So is the Christian who has the Spirit of God living in them. Uh, we will naturally fulfill our purpose of growing in the fruit of the Spirit, in goodness. Now, of course, we will all grow at different rates, just like different plants grow at different rates. But one thing all God's people will have in common is this. There will be growth. It's what happens when God's spirit lives inside of us. God's purpose is for us to grow in goodness. And so it's helpful for us to know where he, he mainly operates. Uh, Luke Chapter 6, our, our passage this morning tells us uh, the operating centre, the control room in which the spirit gets to work is the human heart. Uh, verse 45 of Luke chapter 6. 
A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Uh, Jesus is basically saying, we, we do the things we do, we, we say the things we say, because they come from inside of us, our heart. We can only produce what's stored inside our hearts. And the reality is we, we often produce good and evil. Uh, we do bad things not because others provoke us, although that's a factor. Uh, no, primarily we, we do bad things because we want to do those things. Uh, we respond according to our nature. Uh, just like an apple tree can, can only produce apples, it can't produce oranges. Uh, human beings can only produce what's stored in their hearts. Uh, Matthew chapter 15 verse 19 says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. The wars, the problems we see in our world today, in human affairs begins in the human heart if we want to change if we want to grow in the quality of goodness then we need Jesus to be at work in our hearts and he says look in the right place Uh, we need to start on the inside Uh, Tim Keller uh, a great pastor and theologian passed away last year says what we need is not to be nicer people but to be new people what we need is not to be nicer people but new people. If we want the fruit of goodness, then we need God to give us new hearts. I love the story of Zacchaeus, the greedy tax collector, uh, who allowed Jesus not just into his house, into his home, but ultimately he allowed Jesus into his heart. And in doing so, he was changed. For God's purpose his good purpose to take hold in us we need to allow jesus into our hearts Uh, not just allow him into our hearts but allow him to be lord and ruler over our hearts and desires which brings us to our third and final point so first two points see that god is good god is good second point it's god's purpose for us to grow in goodness and our third point Only God's power in us can produce goodness. Only God's power in us can produce goodness. Well, because only God has the power to give us a new heart. In Ezekiel chapter 36, we read of a great promise from God to his people. In verse 26, God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Uh, We need a heart of flesh that's receptive to God's voice. It's what happens when we we invite Jesus into our lives. We we receive new hearts that can truly produce the fruit, the good fruit that God desires. Uh, we, We no longer have the old hearts that deceive us to our own goodness. And that's why we often say the confession together as a church family. And we invite Jesus into our lives. He helps us to see what we're really like. So that we can ask for his help. As the spirit of Christ lives in our hearts. He gets to work in every area of our lives. And it's a process that happens over a lifetime. 
See, growth in goodness is not all or nothing. Growth in goodness is not all or nothing. The story goes of a, a domestic cleaner who was asked the question, has anything changed since you became a Christian? To which she replied, no, not much, except I now sweep underneath the rugs when I clean the house. Small change. She was now honest in her work. A sign of the fruit of goodness. See, I think Jesus used the image of a tree in Luke 6 for a reason. I think about how long it takes for a tree to grow, for a tree to, to bear fruit. It doesn't happen overnight. I suppose we often doubt God's power in us because we, we misunderstand his process in our lives. Our growth in goodness won't happen overnight. But one thing is guaranteed. If we are followers of Jesus, it will happen. So don't miss the small victories. Don't, don't miss the many ways God is working in you to grow you in goodness. Because, as we've seen, growth in goodness, well, it, it often looks ordinary, doesn't it? It's often ordinary and simple, like the domestic worker. Uh, notice the, the ordinary implication of good fruit in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Uh, Jesus starts off with our speech. Of course, there's more to it, but Jesus chooses something we do every day. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Simple speech can be a place to start. Uh, we don't need to look very far for an opportunity, because in our very speech, we can see the fruit of goodness coming to bear in our lives. So, what might it look like to grow in the fruit of goodness this coming week, particularly in our speech? Well, two things to notice. Uh, firstly, we'll notice an integrity of speech. An integrity of speech. What do I mean by that? Well, we'll have a desire to be consistent in the way we come across, whether it's in private or public. In the Bible, the quality of goodness is often displayed as integrity. As we grow in the fruit of goodness, uh, we won't have a desire to embellish the truth or pretend that we're better off than we are or worse off than we are in our speech. As followers of Jesus, we'll have a desire to be honest with our words. As Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Growth in goodness this week can look like a growth in the integrity of our speech. I suppose that applies to the things we do as well and the things we think, and integrity in how we live. For instance, we won't put on a completely new persona when we step into church or go to work. And integrity in our lives. Secondly, we'll notice a purity of speech. So an integrity in speech, a purity of speech not only be consistent in our speech, but we'll also have a desire to speak what is pure, what's useful for encouraging others, not tearing them down. Psalm 141 verse 3 to 4 says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. 
Growth in goodness can be as ordinary as God getting, in, getting at work, getting to work in the words we say every day. Helping our speech to be pure, to be helpful to others, to be edifying to others. Uh, which means that there'll be an opportunity every day to grow in goodness. Because in our speech, in our actions, we'll see God at work. There'll be many opportunities this week for us. Uh, for some of us, it might just be in our families, uh, dealing with a, a relative or a neighbour. What kind of speech, action, will my family member receive this week from me? When it going gets tough, what will flow out from my heart into the world via my speech towards a, an irritating neighbour? spouse who has let you down why not speak to God first in a moment and ask for his help ask for his goodness to flow into your heart so that as you speak as you act you'll see the fruit of goodness come to bear some of us it might be work or committees that are on what kind of speech will flow out from me when others are, are gossiping about that person I might not pile on, but am I content to listen to gossip? Why not ask for God's help in that moment to to produce the fruit of goodness in our response? It can be tempting to look at the great acts of goodness in history and think, gosh, I've got a lot to live up to. Think of the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible. He gave away half his wealth. The Christian MP William Wilberforce, he, he abolished slavery. A lot to live up to. I reckon for the everyday Christian, uh, the fruit of good goodness often grows in our lives in the most ordinary ways. Uh, the battle is often won in the small choices we have to make. Ephesians 2 reminds us, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God is is so kind, so gracious, that he's prepared good works in advance for us to do. And as we remind ourselves of God's goodness, as we see that he's good all the time, and it's his purpose for us to grow in goodness, it's our prayer that that would flow into our hearts as we read our Bibles, as we pray to him, Pray that the fruit of goodness would be at work and come to bear in our lives, in our speech, in our actions. Let me give you a moment of quiet to reflect and then I'll close for us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, precious Lord, thank you for this great promise that we have of the fruit of the Spirit. That when we uh, put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, uh, you promise to grow in us these uh, great character qualities that help us to become more like Christ. You help us to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. And we thank you for 
the work of your spirit in our lives, in our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we have been able to reflect on your goodness, your great goodness, which uh, is your purpose for us uh, to reflect in our lives, in this world. And we thank you for the power of your spirit, which produces the fruit of goodness in our lives. And please, would you help us uh, to put into practice what we've heard this morning? And please help us in those moments when we have a choice to make. Uh, please, would your spirit be at work in us, uh, helping us to bear good fruit in our, in our speech, in our thoughts, and in our actions. We pray that this week your goodness, your mercy would flow into our hearts constantly so that we can bear good fruit in this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you uh, very much, Gideon. We've seen that to be more like Jesus on the outside, uh, we need to be more like Jesus on the inside. So let's finish our time together by asking God to make us more Christ-like as we stand and sing, May the Mind of Christ Our Saviour.